We began a series last Sunday night on uh, uh, John's references to the little children, little children. And uh, tonight we're going to be looking how that little children need to know when love is wrong. When love is wrong. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 12. I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you little children because you have known the father. I've written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I've written to you young men because you are strong. And the Word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. In his first epistle, John repeatedly references these little children, the rather obvious connections to the passages that we've looked at over the last couple of weeks on Sunday morning where Jesus referenced these same things, the little children, uh, gives us certainty and clarity that the people that John is approaching in this passage are the same ones that Jesus was. His little children, his people, his people, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. John shows a specific growth pattern in the text. Little children know their sins are forgiven and know their, that God is their father. Uh, those are two great things to know. To know that your sins is forgiven, are forgiven. And to know that you have an eternal relationship with God as your father so that you are God's child and he'll never stop being your father. Now those are great things to know. Some of the first information that we get in our walk with Christ. And we're never going to unlearn that. It's not like we're going to uh, forget about all of that and, and then have to learn it all over again. No, that's going to stay with us. But we're going to add to that knowledge as we go along in life so that we learn a whole lot more about God, a whole lot more about His Word and His truth. And that's exactly what John talks about. Spiritual fathers have a lifetime of learning about God and His ways. So twice John says the same thing. You have known Him from the beginning. You know, Jesus told us that this is eternal life, that you may know God and Him who He has sent. Uh, th this is eternal life. Uh, life to an eternal quality. Life to the eternal power for you math whizzes is that we know God. We have a whole lifetime to learn about who God is and what He does and how He works. We need to know more and more about God. I've got good news for you tonight. <laughs> we're not going to exhaust the subject. All right, when we get to heaven, uh, we're going to learn a lot more. But Father, certainly with a whole lifetime of 
studying, a whole lifetime of experiences with the Lord. They they have so much to tell, so much to know, because you've known Him who is from the beginning. Young men have grown in their faith. They've done battle with the wicked one and won. The only way that that was possible is because they are strong in the Word, and that's exactly what he says. Because you have learned God's truth, and and you are abiding in God's truth. Otherwise, they would have been helpless against the wicked one and all of his efforts. But regardless of their growth status, whether little children, whether young men or fathers, he gives them all the same instruction. When you get down to the instruction part, it is very pointed. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so in our second message that God has addressed to his little children through the pen of the Apostle John, the aged we learn that God's little children need to know about when love goes wrong. When love goes wrong. A time when people then love the world and love the things of the world so that it crowds out the love of the Father. Uh, back in one of my math classes, somewhere along the way, in uh, either elementary, junior high, or High school, I I can't tell you. But we learned about two words, mainly in a geometric application. Some things are congruent, we learned, and some things are incongruent. Some of you parents can tell me, is that still, is that in the new math? Or Okay, you still learn that. That's good. Congruent and incongruent. Uh, congruent refers to things that are the same. Uh, I mean, you look at two triangles, for example. One of them may turn this way, and one of them may turn this way. But if you can take those two triangles and put them together, you learn very quickly. You see, those are the same. They're congruent, though they may be turned differently. They're the same. But then you'd take a square and try to put it over there on that triangle. That's incongruent. They are not the same. That square just won't fit on that triangle it's not the same Uh, the love of the world is incongruent with the love of God doesn't fit wherever the love of God is love of the world is in our hearts the love of God won't fit in there and ideally as we go along in our life and our relationship with God our goal is that our love for God would be so strong that the love of the world won't fit in here. And so we have this very uh, powerful instruction in this passage tonight. Love not the world. It's important for us uh, to make that point today that not all love is right. I hear that kind of thinking so much and repeated in so many different ways. It's as if that the world system thinks if they tell it often enough and loudly enough that everybody will believe it. That it oh, just don't matter who you love or, or what you love or how you love. doesn't matter. That's not what the Word of God teaches. 
Love can be wrong. We don't want to find ourselves loving something God hates. Amen. The Bible then tells us, love not the world. It matters who we love. It matters what we love. Because love very obviously can go wrong. To love the Father is to hate sin. And if we love sin, we just don't love the Father. We'll discover this, uh, look at this passage tonight then, to discover why such a strong statement is given to little children, to warn them about how and when love can go wrong, about how dangerous it is to love the world, why we cannot, we should not, we must not love the world. I'm going to show you three reasons why that this is so dangerous tonight that are revealed to us in our text. We do not love the world, first of all, because of its character. That is, because of what the world is. What the world is. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, the world is used in Scripture in at least three different ways, primarily. Uh, number one, the world often is used in speaking of the planet Earth, okay? This planet that we all live on. Uh, God has given us richly all things to, the, to, the, to enjoy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. Acts chapter 17 and verse 4 says that God has made the world and all things in it. And there the application is very clearly, He's talking about the Earth. Uh, this planet that we live on is spoken of as the world in Scripture. The Bible also speaks of the world in reference to all people. The most famous and most obvious application of that would be John chapter, or illustration of that would be John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The world in that passage then obviously speaks of all people. Humanity. For God so loved the world, we might call it mankind. Humanity is another good word. This is a reference to the human population that God loves them and that Jesus died for them. Neither one of those ideas are in play here in 1 John when we're told not to love the world. In this passage, the word is cosmos. Cosmos. Cosmos is a word that stands in opposite to another word, chaos. Chaos. They're very similar. Those are two words on the opposite end of the spectrum. Cosmos refers to an ordered universe or a structured, organized world system. It's probably most familiar to us in the word cosmetic. Cosmetic. Uh, this, this makeup, cosmetics, an ordered kind of system as opposed to chaotic. I'll just leave that alone and move on before I dig any deeper into that hole. Cosmos, an ordered system. Chaos would be disorder. As it refers then to the world, and it is often translated the world, it refers to an organized, ordered world system that is headed by Satan, that opposes the truth of God and of God's gospel and exalts itself above all. This cosmos 
this ordered world system that is against God. John goes on to identify carefully by its character as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, love, lust, love, lust, lust, and pride. Lust, lust, and pride. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 19, John will say, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. The New King James has it, The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And that's the emphasis. Paul would give us the same thing in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Do you see it in that passage? You once walked according to the course of this world. That is an organized, ordered, directed course of the world. The world is on a course. That course is directed by somebody. It's right there in the passage. That somebody is the prince of the power of the air. That's the devil. It is set against God. It is set against the things of God. Ephesians chapter 2 makes it very plain. 1 John 5, 19, same thing. There is a world that is led, that is under the sway of the wicked one. As believers in Christ, the Holy Spirit of God lives in us and directs us and leads us. But you need to understand tonight that in our world, Satan is at work. He is at work to us, obviously. He is at work powerfully, perceptively, in our world. You see, people don't devise this evil on their own. They're not coming up with all of this stuff on their own. As the Holy Spirit works in us as believers in Christ to lead us, to guide us into the truth. So the devil is operating right here. It's right here. Ephesians chapter 2. You can see it on this side. Ephesians 2. You can see it on your screens at home. You once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power there, the spirit who now works In the sons of disobedience. Hmm. The devil is at work. Add in one more passage. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us. Same word, same system. The world system, the world, this organized, ordered world in which the the spirit of the wicked one is working in the children of disobedience. John says, this world does not know us because it does not know Jesus Christ. And so we put these things together tonight. Listen carefully. There then is an organized, ordered world system that is being directed and energized by Satan himself. These people who are under the sway of the wicked one do not understand the Christian faith. They do not understand the Christian message. And they are in deadly opposition to it. When you try to explain it to them, they're not going to understand it. 
And they're going to get antagonistic often. I don't want to give you the idea tonight that we must be intimidated and cower before it. Jesus sent His disciples into that world long ago. And let's not forget, they turned that world upside down. Let's not forget, they changed that world by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We still today live in the power of that change. The greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. The gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful. It has not diminished its power. Yes, we go out into the world of darkness. Yes, we go to those who are blinded by sin and blinded by Satan. Yes, we go to those who are antagonistic toward the gospel. We're not going to win them all. But thank God Paul said, by all means, we might save some. We might save some. It's always been that way. And it's still that way today. Oh, don't despair, God's people. We are the children of God. Oh, what love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world doesn't know us. Because it doesn't know Him. It's time for us as God's people to remind ourselves that God did not put us in a popularity contest with the world. We're not out to win their favor or win their approval. Preachers have been preaching it for all my life, but I've heard we're a twice-born people living in a world full of once-born people. They don't understand. They don't understand. It's our job to keep telling the truth of the gospel, but remind ourselves this world is not our home. This world is not our friend. And if the Bible's true, and it is true, it's going to become less, going to become increasingly less friendly. And I think we see that playing out. I uh, just pulled up a news channel this afternoon. Looking around, as I often do on the news, some of the current events. And one of the things that I saw going on right now in our neighbors to the north in Canada. They just passed a law making conversion therapy. That is uh, preaching that the, a person can be converted from their sexual choices, sexual preferences. That always seems to be what comes up. But they made conversion therapy. The idea that the gospel can change a person. So that they would no longer uh, be homosexual. So that they'd no longer be involved in all of these other kinds of sexual sins. Conversion therapy is the name of it. And it's been outlawed in Canada. Uh, Five-year prison term. Think about that for a minute. Uh, We've already... (laughs) You say, oh, that'll never come across the border. If the world system has its way, folks, it will. Coming soon. Coming soon. Uh, to a community near you. I, I said, well, it'll never happen in our lifetime. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Uh, but I'll have to say tonight, how many of you maybe would agree with me that we're already seeing things happen in our lifetime we never thought we'd see in our lifetime. Amen? God didn't put us in a popularity contest. I hope some of our young people who aren't here tonight are watching at home. And I hope your parents will reach across the couch right now and make you put your phone down. 
And listen to this old white-headed preacher, because I'm about to tell you something. You young people are in the fiercest part of this battle. The battle between a twice-born people and a, and a once-born world. The, the battle between those who are filled with the Spirit of God and being led by the Spirit of God and, and those who are inhabited by the spirit of wickedness and leading them against God truth, God's truth. You fight this battle every day. In many ways, the battle is for you because the enemy wants you just like God wants you. Don't be surprised as a believer in Christ when you find yourself swimming upstream all the time. Don't be surprised as a believer in Christ when you find yourself isolated or even threatened with all kinds of intimidation. The world's not your home and it's not your friend. And if you try to be the friend of this world system, then you're going to have to leave your beliefs and your Bible behind. That's what they want. John puts it very plainly. You can love God or you can love this world, but you can't do both. You're going to have to make a choice. We don't love the world then because of what it is, because of its character. What is it? This is what the world is. It's lust, lust, and pride. It sets itself against the truth of God and all things godly. It is led along its way by the spirit of disobedience. <laughs> Isn't that everywhere in our world today? Spirit of disobedience. Does that sound familiar? We don't love the world because of what it is, because of its character. And secondly, we don't love the world because of what it does, and that's its corruption. It's corruption. Verse 15, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. When they asked Jesus what was the first and greatest commandment, what did he say? Love the Lord thy God with what? All your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Love the Lord thy God. Number one, love God. So to understand how serious this is when John says, when you love the world, the love of God goes out. We need to understand then that what is happening here is that the world system, this, this organized, orchestrated system of evil against God's truth has one objective. It wants to rob your heart away from the love of God and therefore keep you from doing the very first thing that God tells us to do. And that's love Him. Love the Lord thy God. But if you love the world, can't do it. John says, the greatest human responsibility is taken away. The three things that John mentions in this passage are the things that the world uses then to draw us away from the love of God. God offers us love, but the world offers lust. The word lust simply refers to a desire. And the flesh has its desires, and they are built around its needs, and those needs are legitimate. We need food, but lust turns it into gluttony. 
We need companionship and sexual fulfillment, but, the, but, but, but lust turns it into perversions and compulsions. We need rest, for example. But lust turns it into laziness. It's the lust of the flesh. God gives us love, but the world gives us lust. And it speaks then of the lust of the eyes. We might not think of the eyes having a desire. But there's a reason why we say, here, feast your eyes on this. Ah, yeah, the eyes. I'm not going to dwell on this very long. I preached about this this morning. If you didn't hear it, it said www.faithbaptist.something. Help me out, Mark. Dot org. Thank you. Be patient. I've had COVID twice. Feast your eyes on this. Pride of life. The desire to have, to do, to be, and to wrap it all up in a package of me. It gets us so full of ourselves and what we like and what we want. That the idea of what God wants is lost. And in fact, we are even so caught up in this, it can be. That we really don't know where our wants stop anymore. We could even convince ourselves that we are 100% sold out to what we want and actually we're doing what God wants for me. It's how deceptive it is. But all in all, it brings us back to the corruption of the world. What does the world do? The world is out to corrupt us away from what we were created by God to do, which was to love Him, and what we are certainly recreated in Christ to do, and that is to love Him, to honor Him, to worship Him. So we don't love the world then because of what it is, because of its character. We don't love the world then because of what it does. It corrupts, crowds out. Any room in our hearts for the love of God. Then last, little children need to know not to love the world because of its condemnation. That's because of where it's headed. Look at it, verse 17. And the world is passing away. Let me just stop there for a moment and say, Amen. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes it seems like this world is winning. It's not. Oh, it's going to carry the day. It won't. Oh, it's going to just take over everything. No, no. It may have its day, but the world is passing away in the lust of it. All that is in the world is under the condemnation of God. And if you choose in the world, and that's what you get. The world is passing away. It is temporary. It is transitory. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Forever. The world with all its schemes and dreams is passing away. You know, one would think with all of our education and all of our technology that mankind would be coming up with all kinds of new things that makes life better. You'd think we'd be solving our problems by now. I mean, look at all this technology. 
Look at how smart we are. Look at all this great and grand and glorious stuff that we're trying. And man, these are great things. Is it solving our homeless problem? Seems like that's getting worse. Is it making people happy? Seems like it's making them mad. Oh, we're seeing peace. Peace, surely, surely, peace. Surely we're, we're just doing away with that old-fashioned, terrible thing called war, aren't we? We're, sure we're dealing with that. I want to warn you folks tonight. We need to keep our eyes open as God's people on what's happening and what's about to happen with Russia and China. I'll just put that out there for you tonight. <laughs> Remember, somebody's pulling the strings of all this. Somebody's behind it. There's a course. And we know who's pulling that string. Are we making the world better? We have better ways of treating people? Are people being nicer? <laughs> are, are they better adjusted? Are they more at peace? Are they happier? Are their marriages better? What? Is the world getting better? Mm -mm. It's getting worse. All our technology, all our science. The great old preacher Vance Habner said it best. And he said this back in the 60s. Our technology, he said, has given people more to live with, but less to live for. Amen. Vance Habner. Got everything to live with and nothing to live for. It ain't no wonder they're miserable. We're not that way, people of God. Amen. We've got something to live for. The wealth of the world can somehow satisfy us, and it can't, but if it could, it still wouldn't be of much use to us because you can't keep it. One of these days, death will claim us. And what do you leave behind? All of it. You see, you've only got one life and you can give it to the world. You can love the world. You can let the world sell you its ideas. But if you do, you'll end up so confused that you can't even figure out whether you're male or female anymore. That's happening in our world. You'll be miserable. You'll be angry against some imaginary system that's creating all of this injustice and keeping you from being everything that you've always dreamed you could be. Because you can be anything, can't you? You can do anything, can't you? You can spend your life trying to create some imaginary sense of justice where life is fair as you think it should be. You can do that. You can buy into the lies. You can buy into the deception and live your life on a treadmill trying to convince yourself that you're happy while you're doing it. And it's all passing away, folk. Nothing lasts. I've lived long enough to see today's great calls become tomorrow's foolish quest.
Today's big discovery becomes tomorrow's foolishness. That's ridiculous. Nothing lasts in the world. Why? Because the world is passing away. And whatever it comes up with, whatever scheme it comes up with, whatever theory it has, it may be a theory today and they'll call it truth tomorrow, but the next day they'll be calling it a stupid lie. Because the world is constantly passing away. You can do that. You can choose to love the world. You can allow it then to crowd out the love of God. Let that happen. Or you can give yourself to the one whose name is Jesus Christ. And His character is this. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Not any change in Jesus Christ. Uh, there's, there's never going to be a new version of the gospel. Not a, a need for the, a new version of the New Testament. Not a, not a need for a new revelation of Jesus Christ as He changes to, to meet the needs of the modern world. No, it's not that way. We serve the same Jesus today who walked on this earth, who lived and gave His life for you and me. And He offers us a, a simple plan. Forever. He that doeth the will of God abides forever. You can give your only one life. You've only got one. You can give it then to the world and all of its schemes and dreams. All of its versions of reality. All of its ideas of truth and theories that change from one minute to the next. You can do that. Or you can invest your life with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then your life can have eternal consequences. Eternal. You can be involved in something that will be here today and gone tomorrow. Or you can be involved in the kingdom of Christ and it'll stand after the last mountain on this planet has melted down and rolled down in sand to the sea. And the truth of Jesus Christ will still be going on. If the stars burn out, the last one can burn out. And yet the things that you have done and the truth that you have learned will still be impacting your life. You can be involved in a work that lasts forever. That's the plan. Little children need to know it. Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. And all that's in the world is passing away. But he that doeth the will of God abides forever. And the will of God starts with believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. We talked about it this morning. Talk about it again tonight. Have you had that experience where you understood you were a sinner? Where you confessed your sinfulness to God? Yes, Lord, I'm a sinner. When you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior and forgive you of your sins. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing blood? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb?
I plead with you tonight. Receive Christ as your Savior. That's where it starts. Walk in the light as He is in light. And then remember this great admonition. 1 John chapter 2. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Let's stand together, please.